welcome to a brand new episode of That's Odd. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Townsend. That's right, it's French now, for some reason. And with me, as always, is my uh, French best friend, uh, Chris Chavez. Oh, I like that. I want a bagel now. I'm sure that was French. I'm ex- I'm almost 100% positive. Every word I said was French, and it was pre- pronounced precisely as it should be. I agree with you. I don't know what you were trying to say, but you said it I s- uh, in a very romantic way. Well, I it, honestly, it said, hello, creepers. I'm happy to be back. You guys are awesome. I can't wait to tell you what we're going to talk about today. Johnny is one of the greatest guys I know, and let's do this. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you're a man of you're a man of few words when it comes to French. <laughs> you ever notice that how like you're watching a movie and it, there's like subtitles, right? And uh, yeah, and it's like I don't know, maybe Korean or something, and it's like three syllables, but all of a sudden at the bottom is like a paragraph. Yes, you're like always. Wait. Lo- <laughs> I always love it when any comedy or a cartoon would do that joke where they were translating somebody. And they would say, like, one word, and then the translation would be, like, three paragraphs full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they would exactly. talk for a minute, and then it would just be, like, a one-word response. <laughs> yep, <So>. exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Speaking of cartoons, I want to throw this out there real quick. If you haven't listened to if – you, if you haven't went to YouTube and listened to Goofy Sings, oh, God. Uh, just random songs, uh, you're missing out on life. I'm just throwing that out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I one of those was one of those was shared with uh, me and Chris, a buddy of ours. Uh, Brandon shared that with us, and it sent me on a terrible rabbit hole. <laughs> I see. I was going to say, I see Brandon got a hold of you, and then I noticed. Yeah. I noticed the uh, the group text. That's right. Yep. Brandon, our co-host <laughs> of our sister show, Abnormal Times, same network, bicbp-radio.com. I got the Facebook go. page up and going today again, and I noticed that I hadn't touched it since 2006, which kind of sad. So I went in, started updating some of the information in there, updated the picture. Uh, but there's a Facebook page for the network, BICBP Radio uh, or BICBP Radio. Look for it on Facebook if you're interested in checking out any of our other shows. Uh, I'll be using that to upload every episode from our network as they go up. Um, that's it. Done with self promotion, except for History Creeps Patreon. Check it out. There we go, there we go. Uh, so, uh, recently, uh, the paranormal world, I would guess, was kind of uh, saddened by a passing of Art Bell. Oh, yeah, dude. it's that's, yeah, it's, He's he's iconic. If, if you're uh, a fan of paranormal, weird, creepy, you know this name. Yeah, yeah, especially if you love radio, too, on top of that. I think he's oh. kind of a pioneer of both. Yeah. Uh, he is very well known, especially for, of course, Coast to Coast AM. That was his yes. main thing. That's what I knew him from. I think that's what most people knew him from. Yep. Uh, I remember when he uh, when he passed away. Like I would see people on my Twitter. I follow all kinds of people from comedians to that I like to whatever, and even comedians that I like to. I would never guess because they never talk about this kind of stuff that they listened to him would say, oh, man, I listened to him when I was growing up in New York or whatever. I think there's somebody, uh, every, almost everybody's got to have a story where they came across coast to coast, uh, at least in our generation and older, maybe maybe a yeah. little bit of the younger, I don't know. But I feel like there there's something about the, the romanticism, that, that thing about the radio, the, the way that like we used to listen to radio back in the day, it was very like a, a personal thing, an intimate thing. So listening to this guy, talking to you 
Um, and especially when he, did, if you were listening live at night, you know what I mean? At night, it's always different when oh, you yeah. listen to the radio than you do during a day. DJs in the, in the daytime, they always have their a little bit more bouncy, a little bit more wide awake and, and, uh, energetic, you know what I mean? But at oh, night yeah. is when it started to cool down you got the DJs who like it, 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 I don't know. There's this weird, creepy, just comfort in hearing that voice come over the radio at, in the dark. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we'll get to his show, of course. That's what we're mainly going to talk yeah. about here. Uh, but let's let's kind of go through his early life real quick. Just cool. to, just kind of quickly touch on it. He was born in 1945, and this is what I didn't know in North Carolina. Oh, look at Jacksonville that. Jacksonville to be. Yep, we brought a connection there. Where's Jacksonville? Uh, Where's that in, in relation I, to you? I don't know. I didn't look that part up. Oh, okay. No worries. I'm going to assume it's within anywhere from five minutes to four hours because that's about how long it takes me to get to the coast. <laughs> the length of the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, uh, he, at age 13, he already knew he wanted to be in radio. He loved radio. Uh, he became a licensed amateur radio operator by age 13. Uh, when he got old enough, he actually served in the Air Force. And during the Vietnam War, he was a medic. Uh, he played, and during this, he also during the Vietnam War, he also had a pirate radio station. Oh yeah, and he would and he would play anti-war uh, music at it. I saw that, dude. I have such a like love affair and fascination with radio and DJs and disc jockeys, and I've always loved the idea of having a pirate radio station. I really oh, have. Yeah, yeah. I if I can figure out how to pull that off, I'm. I was just talking to Aaron about it today. As a matter of fact pulling off a pirate radio station on the internet like find an internet radio station or some way where i can you know broadcast it maybe go back to mix lr i don't know anyway sorry (laughs) (laughs) i mean i do dude it's like so much of this guy's life and the stuff he was he that he was into like i i I can relate to do you know what i mean yes yes i mean i was the same way ever since i was a kid i just loved uh just entertaining people but i really loved when i would you know just the like radio and I mm-hmm. wanted to put those two together Yeah, ever since I was a kid. So I can relate to this quite a bit. I can't relate to the air force thing cause I never did anything. No. Like that. Did you ever fantasize about sitting in that, you know, DJ booth in the dark with the mic in front of you? You know what I mean? With the red light on says on air. Oh yeah. All the time into the airwaves all the time. I mean, I will listen to all kinds of shows from coast to coast to, uh, things as goofy as running fez and something goofy like that. And I would be like, man, I want to do, something like this and now we are and now we are (laughs) (laughs) but it's it goes to show what kind of influence it had on us oh yeah for sure especially this show uh after the service he actually went and he lived in asia for a little bit and he worked at a radio station there uh he and the only reason i'm bringing that up is because apparently he once set the guinness world record for staying on air the longest amount of time. Yeah. It was 100, 116 hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, that's insane, dude. Could you imagine being on air for that long? <laughs> no. I can't imagine doing any one thing for that long. <laughs> dude, you and I have been like, all right, do you want to record this show today? We could do another one that day, too. And we're like, nah, two shows in a row is yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah. I've even told you. I mean, I do multiple shows. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't want to record two on one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much talking. I can't do it. Yeah. Like, do you know how it feels when we hit those two-hour mark shows and your mouth's already feeling dry? You're like, I, I don't even know how he does that. I don't either. It's it's impressive. How did he really stay is. awake? I re- just straight coffee or I don't know. That's a good question. I'm gonna look into that story. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. So anyway, let's kind of fast forward through his life a little bit. Yeah, let's get into his radio part because that's what he was obviously most well known for. Uh, he was a disc jockey first. He would play rock music. 
That's what he was at the first time. But he really wanted to start to get into talk, uh, you know, talk radio. So from there, he kind of he tried to do sort of like a political talk show from there. But this political talk show slowly changed from uh, politics to like uh, uh, like you would lean toward conspiracy theories a little bit. Yeah. And then that would also start adding the paranormal stuff. And then the UFO stuff would follow. And then all the stuff. And then all of a sudden it was way less political, even to the point where there was no political stuff on it at all. And that's where the name became Coast to Coast AM. Yep. And what's even more amazing about this show uh, on February 1997, uh, I don't think this could happen now just because podcasts had kind of taken over everything. Radio is way, way less than what it used to be. Uh, even satellite radio is way less than it used to be. It's all yeah. uh, podcast on demand stuff now. Uh, February 1997, he was the highest rated late night radio talk show host, and he was broadcast to over 320 stations. Can you imagine if History Creeps was broadcast to that many stations? <laughs> nope. That would be incredible. I think where we're going so, now is is the Wi-Fi in the cars so that you can access yeah. you know, podcast apps on the built-in touchscreen radios that are already in the car. I agree with you. But there's just something that's it's almost romantic about... Uh, I remember when I would drive around in my car mm-hmm. and like stuff would come on the radio, you know, like shows, and I would yeah. just listen to them. Uh, you know, one of the one of the comedians I liked, I can't. Uh, he was talking about how he and his friend would drive around New York City at night when they were getting off, like leaving a comedy club or something, and then Art Bell would be on coast to coast, oh. and that's how they would listen to him. And that just sounds amazing to me. Yeah, no, I remember many nights with my friends driving around at night just listening to the radio, or just by yeah. myself sometimes driving, you know, from Orlando to Tampa, a two hour drive at night. Uh, just listening to the radio DJs talking at night. It's awesome. I love it, dude. Yeah, I, re- I do too. And it's just, and that's just kind of gone now. Uh, I do know that uh, I get told quite a bit that our, like, it's not just our show, but all kinds of podcasts. It's what people kind of do now while they're driving. And that's still very cool to me. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. It's just something about, uh, like, you had, you could only catch these shows on at a certain time. At night, at, for sure. At night, and you had to, had to be there for it. And it was just, I don't know, there's something about that to me. Yeah, it was something about the nighttime. I remember that he actually says something about that, I think. He had a quote about how, like, uh, oh, that's what he said. He goes, a uh, quote that our Art Bell said at one point was, there's a difference in what people are willing to consider uh, daytime versus nighttime. It's dark, and you don't know what's out there. And the way things are now, there may be something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it really is. There's something about not be- being able to see everything clearly. Yeah. That just changes your perceptions of things. And when you're driving at night, too, is the worst because all you see is the headlights in front of you and everything oh, yeah. to the side and behind is usually really dark, you know? Yep. Uh, wherever the light is not touching is where it's scariest. Yes. All right. So, of course, he is most well-known for Coast to Coast AM. Uh, that show is such a huge influence on pretty much anything. I would I would even suggest, even if they don't call it any paranormal podcast you listen to, uh, I have to at least say that they have heard of Coast to Coast AM at the very least. Look, I wouldn't say that any paranormal podcast we have now would not exist without it. Because let's be honest, like there, he gave the platform to people to come and speak without any kind of uh, editing, without any ridicule, anything. P- anyone could call in. He didn't screen any of his calls and tell their story, whatever it was. And people love to call and be like, 
oh yeah, I'm a time traveler. I'm from this year. And then they'd go yeah. into these long, just drawn out stories and you'd get so fascinated in what they were saying. Yeah. And like I said, driving or being in the dark at night, sitting in your room alone, listening to these things just come out. It just felt so fantastical. Like this can't just be made up on the spot. This is so real. And then he'd ask them questions that they would answer and just be, and it was like, wow, what is going yes. on in this world? Is this real? Yeah, exactly. He he made a point to never ridicule anybody if he could help it. Uh, he even if he uh, he said mo- he said often actually he he wouldn't believe anything somebody was saying, yeah. but he didn't want to come out and make fun of them for it. Right, and I, that's that's the thing. And because he did that, because he allowed that to come out, it made it easier for the public to accept these kinds of things. So I, I think I think with that without him, I don't even think we'd have things like TV shows like Ghost Hunters. Uh, any of these paranormal TV shows, you know what I mean? I think, or if we did, it would take a lot longer to have gotten there because he was very instrumental in allowing this to just really permeate our 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 culture. Yeah, and he definitely took it seriously. I mean, even when yeah. he had some of the more goofy uh, things on there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there that I would I would hear and I'd be like, oh man, I'm rolling my eyes at this. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff that he would have on there. And we're about to go into some of the more famous stuff here in a second. Yeah. But that I would that I would be like, oh my gosh, this is riveting. This is incredible stuff. And of course, just to keep everybody up, to, he for the most part he never would scan calls. Uh, he ended up Not doing that end. a few times. Not, and that was at the end. And that's just cause uh, toward the end of his uh career, he actually retired retired like three or four times. Yeah. And apparently, a few times it's because he felt his family was at jeopardy or something like that, and he would never. He never really go into detail over that. Yeah, I saw something about he said that there were times where people were shooting guns at his house, like shooting at his house, because he lived out in yeah. the middle of the desert. He had a house just out in the middle of the desert, Mojave Desert, by itself in the middle of nowhere, uh, and that's where his station was built into, because uh, after a while, he decided to just have a, a, a studio built into his home and have the tower put out there, and he could just broadcast from home. Uh, and yeah, he said that, that that happened on a few occasions. Um, so I don't know, man, it's, it's until, I guess we have to wait till the autopsy comes out what they say. But when you start really reading some of that stuff about his life towards the end, and he was talking about that and uh, even his, um, his, his, when he left coast to coast and his quote unquote retirements, there was a time towards the end where he was saying like, at some point his story was going to come out. He wasn't going to be held back and he was going to talk about all his so-called retirements. So it sounds really yeah. weird, doesn't it? Like when you know what kind of a radio show host he was, um, and we know how if you say too much, uh, things happen to your shows. <laughs> yes, uh, we do. <laughs> um, it's it's just kind of it's it's. I'm interested to see what happens when the autopsy comes out. I don't know. I'm. I mean, to to be honest, I'm hoping it's a natural thing. I think he had a heart problem, and so to think yeah. that he could just you know die in his sleep. That's awesome. Who who doesn't want to go that way? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, I think it's also important to note that I, I read it a few places that the last time he retired, he said that he was doing this because he just wanted to spend time with his family. Yeah. It's more about happiness than anything. <laughs> and that's what I like to hear. Uh, so, uh, but of course let's talk about coast to coast. Yeah. The show itself. Let's get into it here, Chris. Uh, he had many really famous, uh, moments that would happen on there. Of course the show is still going on today. It's just, obviously it's been without Art Bell for a long time, uh, uh, I haven't actually listened to it in quite a while. It's been a forever. Yeah, same. I haven't in a while either. Now, I'll go on there and listen every once in a while when I know 
like the guy who does the uh, missing four. I forget what it is. All the people missing in the forest and stuff. Oh yeah, that I brought yeah. up a bunch of times. Yeah, we talked. Like, they'll have that going. Yeah, they'll have that going every once in a while. And I'll go back and listen to those just because I find that guy fascinating. But uh, so here we go. Politus, uh, David Politus. Yes, there we go. Or is it Politus? One or the other. Kalitus, Kalitus, Politus, Politus. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those four, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. What are some of the most memorable episodes of the Art Bell Show? Okay, so John Lear, who was a ufologist, he was a frequent uh, frequent guest on Coast to Coast AM, uh, and whom Bell credits with getting him on the paranormal track for his show. So he's actually quite important to this. He's the one who uh, sort of set the direction for Coast to Coast, really. Um, apparently there's another guy named Neil Chase who had, I'm, I'm reading this word for word from the beautiful Wikipedia, <laughs> yeah. who had, who had predicted the nuking of New York city for the exact day. Bell became hysterical and lost his radio composure when he read the headline that came over the newswire just at the start of his interview with Chase that Newark had been nuked. This headline referred to the exact report of the eyewitness eyewitness account of a pilot flying into Newark, seeing the giant uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki fired uh, size fireball and mushroom cloud from the Edison gas explosion. So yeah, so the gas thing went off. But this pilot saw it, reported it, and for some reason the guy calling in was had been talking about predicting that this would happen, and so yeah. the headline comes over that there's this atomic bomb style explosion that's the first thing he leads with dude he's fucking brilliant man he knows how to start the show yeah i mean who's gonna turn that off (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean who is uh bell once interviewed william luther pierce he's the author of the turner diaries in which pierce he wrote under a pseudonym andrew mcdonald depicted a race war leading to the extermination of jews non-whites and gay people uh he denounced uh by he, I mean Pierce, denounced interracial marriage, calling white people who, well, this is a bunch of terrible things. He yeah. didn't like anybody who was different. No, not at all. Yeah. So he would, so he had all <clears throat> walks of life on there. The Turner Diaries are uh, like one of those books that a lot of your uh, major racists now will point to as like their, uh, their Bible and yeah. that type of thing. Uh, I think it was also the book that um, Timothy McVeigh uh, kept with him at all times. Oh, that, God. Uh, so, so it's that type of yeah, Jeez. beautiful yeah, beautiful people, huh? Good lord, <laughs> real pieces of trash right there. But they really does show you that uh, even obviously he didn't agree with this guy. He had him on. Um, yeah, he didn't. He was actually. But what was weird was he was unaware that Bell himself. Uh, he was actually married at the time to uh, an Asian American. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, obviously, Bell didn't agree with him at all. Uh, Richard Hoagland, he had on there, who was a former science advisor to CBS, uh, and he was the author of The Monuments of Mars, uh, which sounds like a book I just need to read. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Is it just, uh, what is that about? About, like, the rock formations and things? I don't know. I'm I don't know. Up. We'll have to. Uh, one of, uh, this is where, this is one of the more famous ones that me and you are very well aware of. Uh Mel Waters was on there and discussed what is known as Mel's Hole, which is just a great name to start with, (laughs) in Washington State. The opening is said to be a a fantastically deep vertical shaft which possesses bizarre properties. 
No such hole has ever been physically located by anyone attempting to verify this story. Yeah. But anyway, this is the one, this is the one, if it's the one I'm thinking of, and I, we kind of brought it up before we recorded, that you can hear like the sounds of, uh, supposedly you can hear like sounds of hell. It's one of those type of holes. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, is it is it the Mel one? I'm not sure if it's the Mel one, but I know, I remember hearing the audio for it, but because my wife was telling me when she was on her first road trip, she was out west one night or one evening, no, no, during the day, and I guess whatever radio station she was listening to, they played, they replayed our, uh, the coast to coast from the night before, or maybe it was yeah. like an older one that they replayed, whatever it was. But she was listening to an episode where he's interviewing uh, this guy that was talking about how he had found this hole that uh, it's it basically the sounds of hell were coming out of it. You could hear all these screams and moans and all this crazy stuff. And he, you could play the audio. He actually played the audio on, on the air. Um, I'll play a clip of it right now. Check this out. Now, I've got a clean copy of it now, and uh, I warn you, uh, this could scare you. Here's the email. Dear Art Bell, I just recently began listening to your radio show and could not believe it when you talked about the sounds from hell tonight. My uncle had told me this story a couple of years ago, and I didn't believe him. Like one of your listeners who discounted the story as nothing more than just a religious newspaper fabricated account. The story about the digging of the hole and the hearing of the sounds from hell is very real. It did occur in Siberia. My uncle collected videos and audio tapes and so forth on the paranormal, supernatural. He passed away fairly recently, but he would have loved your show. He let me listen to one of the audio tapes that he had on the sounds from hell in Siberia, and I copied it. He received his copy from a friend who worked at the BBC. It took me a while to find it tonight, but attached is that sound from my uncle's tapes. It's not the greatest quality, but the sounds are there. I was very hesitant to send you this as the sound bothers me to listen to. I'd suggest that if you do play it on the program, warn listeners in advance so they may have the option of turning the radio off for 30 seconds while it plays. It has always haunted me. To those who discounted the Siberia sounds from Hell's story, it is true, and I, for one, wish it wasn't. Rick, listening from Chicago. And so I submit now the cleaned... Uh, a better copy to you and uh, I warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed creepy yeah very much so there's there's a couple of holes um, that are <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, full, sorry. No, no, it's my fault. It's, that doesn't sound like something I would say in jest. Uh, there's a couple of holes <laughs> uh, out and around the world that people will claim these type of things too. Yeah. I think there's one out in Russia somewhere yep. too. Yeah, there's a couple other ones, but yeah. Uh, and here's another one. Uh, he interviewed a man who called himself Victor, and that was a made-up name, I'm assuming. Who uh was responsible for the release of the of the public uh the of, to the public of a nearly 3 minute video the alien interview i think everybody has seen this mm -hmm. yep uh, uh i don't want to 
I don't want to break kayfabe here on this show, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's not that real. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. But what's great though about this, and the reason I even read this, is that he actually verified a lot of uh, Bob Lazar's claims. Which really, if the guy already claimed it, all you have to do is repeat it, and that means yeah. you verified it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw that too, and I was like, huh. Okay, cool. Now, here, here's the one that I really remember the most, though. This one is still really in my mind. I remember when I first heard this, I was really freaked out about this. Uh, on September 11th of all days, 1997, oh, uh, yeah, Bell took, yeah. took a call from a frantic man who claimed to be an ex-Area 51 employee who grew progressively more upset as the call wore on. Now, he really would. Like, you can listen to this. This man sounds terrified. If this guy was acting, he was fantastic. He sounded really scared. Uh... Uh, to the point where, uh, like, he was... I'm getting lost in reading here. Uh, oh, as the call wore on, uh, that's what I was trying to find out. Yeah. I was just making sure this is the right same one. Uh, the actual phone call went off the air, and the show went off the air. Yep. For, like, a brief moment. Yep. And they don't know whatever caused that. So people listening to this, they're listening to this guy talk about this thing. He's going on and on, and he's getting more intense and crazy and, and talking about how they're coming to get him and, and, you know, you can't trust this and that. And out of nowhere, in, at the height of the frenzy, everything turns. You're listening to this on the radio, and everything cuts out. And you just like, wait, what? What? Yeah. So I think this is where we should play that right now, Chris. What do you think? Let's do it. Online, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, Area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and... And... <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're gonna um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay. What what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that. An earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. Uh, they they are not what they claim to be. Uh, they have infiltrated a lot of uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming. They the, the military. I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them, and there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now, Art. But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. Discharge. 
some way, something knocked us off the air, and we're on a backup system now. It's uh, the government, or... I don't know. It has to be something, though. Well, did you hear... Now, you tell me, because you were listening. That was awful strange. There was a really weird guy on the air when it went off? Yeah. Real weird out. Like, uh, going... Sort of, sort of sounding paranoid, schizophrenic. Yeah. Like crying and everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 And how far into the conversation was it when when it went off? Just a couple, about 15, 20 seconds, I'd say. Oh, you, like you guys missed, you really missed the call then, and I've got a feeling somebody didn't want you to hear it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it was really strange. All of a sudden, I'm hearing Mark Furman, and when I when that's I was right. Well, the network, the network, of course, went immediately to a backup tape while we tried to figure out what blew up here. Uh huh. So that's what you heard happen. Uh huh. And then we're now on a backup link system. Uh huh. Uh, to be on the air at all right now. So, well, I'm telling you. Am I on the air right now? You're on the air right now. Well, you better be, yes. (laughs) uh, If it was just a random failure of the satellite, that's weird, odd timing, because that also rarely ever happened in the first place, uh, one of those type of things. Uh, This person would get a call back on April 28th saying that the original call was a fraud and that they were the person who would do the voice, but a lot of people claimed that they couldn't have been the same guy because of tone. And the mannerisms were a little different. Yeah, he didn't sound like him at all. Yeah. Uh, here's a little, uh, here's some really cool little things about this call that I didn't know. I'm going to say this one thing, because I think, are you a fan of the band Tool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I kind of am too. I think that guy's got a great uh, singing voice. Yep. But, uh, this incident formed the basis of the song, and they always named their songs weird, so forgive me for this. Uh, day Oyed. That's F-A-A-I-P-D-E-O. I-A-D, by Tool, which features the set interview, uh, dubbed in over frantic drumming and buzzing static. Yeah, so. so it's the guy that's, like, going nuts. They cut out Art Bell's parts, and it's it's the guy just kind of, you know, talking and doing saying his thing over the music and stuff, going nuts. Yeah. Another one that I definitely remember is in 98, he received, uh, Bell received two faxes from John Titer, yes. a self-proclaimed time traveler from 2036, who made many fantastic predictions and discussed time travel. I can't wait to talk. I want to talk about John Titer on History Creeps for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's 100%. a good one. Uh, and then in 97, he interviewed a gentleman claiming to be from the year 2063. He was known as Single Seven, a rank in the time travel unit he was in. <laughs> single Seven. That sounds... What a, what a great name, huh? Yeah. That's like saying Single Group. Yes. <laughs> I mean, now this next one, this next one, uh, I got to go back and listen to this one. I don't remember this one at all. Uh, but apparently an aging farmer bugs is, I guess is what he went by reportedly told of his account of shooting and burying two Bigfoot creatures (laughs) back in the seventies in Texas. He initially thought they were bears. Oh man. Uh, He mailed a map of the location of this burial to bell to be released to the public upon uh, Bugs' death. During the first appearance, 96 Bugs uh, Bugs said he had taken a dozen Polaroid photos of the creature he would be willing to send to Bell. Uh, none of the alleged photos have ever been seen. Uh, in 2000, uh, Daniel Murray, that's the name he went by, claimed he was a, maj- a majestic agent from Downey, California, uh, that actually... Uh, in 2003, 
uh, Chris Clements, which sounds really close to a comic book writer that I know, uh, a freelance writer from the Washington Post, called Bill to tell him that he had evidence of a financial connection between the Bush family and the Bin Ladens. I remember uh, this. Clemens, yeah, I, I do too. Clements went on further to tell of his how his research showed that 9-11 may have been orchestrated. So this is kind of one of the starts of one of those type of uh, yeah. things that you hear about all the time from people. Uh, so <laughs> this is another one that I have to find. I don't think I've heard this one, and I need to listen to this. In October 2003, Bell interviewed Temple of the Vampire representative Nemo. Nemo spoke about the Temple of the Vampire's beliefs and practices. I love that his name's Nemo, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah and he found him. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, in February of five, Bill received a call from a person who called himself Oscar. Proclaiming to be the son of Satan. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, wait a second. Uh, Hang on a second. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. What? You can find no fault in this story. Satan. <laughs> uh, your yes. your wife. Your wife. Uh, she she gave birth and it was uh it was successful. The baby is healthy. Your wife's healthy. I just want to let you know. Uh, you are now the proud father of a baby boy. Uh, so Satan. What would you yes. like? To, what would you like to name him? Oscar. <laughs> His name is Oscar. I want to think, was this guy watching Ghostbusters 2? That's a good question. <laughs> that is a great question. Because that is the baby's name on there, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Oscar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You <laughs> named him after a baloney? What does he say? After a wiener or something like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Oscar was his first name, and that's O-S-C-A-R. Uh, apparently, I don't want to go through all of these. Yeah. Uh, let me f- that's kind of the best ones, if you ask me, the ones I just said. So Yeah. There uh, was a, uh, if you're looking for a definitive list, I was telling you beforehand, if listeners want to go check something out, uh, there's a website, voat.co. Um, it's an art, I think, I'm assuming it's an Art Bell thing, or they have a section for Art Bell here, but they have a list of the best Art Bell shows of all time, uh, starting with Jonathan's Re- or Jonathan Reed's Alien in the Freezer. Uh, and I was like, what is that about? I didn't know about this. October 96, Jonathan Reed discovers a hovering alien craft while hiking in the Pacific Northwest. He shoots an alien after it attacks his dog and, in a state of shock, transports the being's body to his home and attempts to preserve it in a metal meat freezer without realizing it was still alive until it starts knocking. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff in here, dude. Mel's holes in here, electronic voice phenomena, um... Remember when Bob Lazar went on there and was talking about the Area 51 stuff and all of that? Oh, yeah. That's for sure. on here. Men in Black. Uh, check it out, though. This is, this is def- I mean, oh, man. It's a sad passing because, like I said, it's not like, you know, he was, oh, that's my favorite so-and-so. No, it's not that. It's just I feel like because of the connection we've had with radio and our love with, with these kinds of things and these kinds of shows, having had the experience of catching that show once in a while back then, um, it just, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, oh, man, it's it's almost like the end of an era. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like we have it to really pick is. up the torch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we do, and we are. Uh, so uh, that's that's Art Bell. Uh, rest in peace, Mister. Uh, rest in. Uh, maybe he's finding all the answers of the questions he's been asking for all these years now. Yeah, for sure. We're gonna so. have to. I think as a tribute at some point, we're gonna have to start doing things for that side and history creeps where we take live uh, stories or, or recording. I, I mean, I put it out there for the urban legends, but anything. I'd love to hear you know people's accounts from their own words, telling us what they've seen or experienced in their lifetime. I think it'd be awesome. 
I agree a hundred percent. So if, if you've heard, uh, or if you've had any kind of experience, uh, whether it be paranormal or with like some sort of creature or anything like that, we would, or something that's just strange that happened to you. Uh, we would just love to hear about it. Email history creeps podcast at gmail.com. That's right. Or go to our Facebook page, which is history creeps on Facebook. There you go. Either way, uh, we'll, uh, we'll work with you somehow. Uh, so, uh, uh Chris, uh, you got anything else or, or are we just going to, no, I think that's you know. great. I think it's amazing. He, he had a pretty cool life. Um, again, huge influence on the stuff we do and moving forward, man, it's, it just feels like we have a, a, a marker to live up to. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, so thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, for Chris Chavez, uh, or I'm sorry for, how do I say this in French again? For Chris Chavez. I am Jeanne Talzand. Thanks for joining us. We uh, are grateful for every one of you. Uh, and tune in next time. As always, though, stay on.